there's a name for God called the God of second chances that we always are getting second chances with God. And that's what this sermon series is about. And so today we're going to talk about renewing our commitment. Let me read to you this uh, story. It comes out of John chapter 6 and starts with verse 35 and ends with verse 51. This is a story, kind of the word for the day is audacious. This is a story about Jesus and how audacious he was and the claims that he made that, like I read about Jesus and I think, I'm pretty sure that I would have wanted to know him and I'm pretty sure that I would have wanted to be around him, but sometimes he said things that were just like, what in the world are you talking about? And it, there was always kind of trouble boiling around him. It wasn't like he was a person who sought after drama and created drama. We all know who they are. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus was one of those people that just spoke what was on his mind, and he did it in a way that if, if you were a person who needed to hear that, it cut to your heart. But he also said things that were just bold. This is one of those stories. So listen to the words of Jesus in this. He's having an interaction with his friends, the Pharisees. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That alone is enough to probably get him killed. That sentence, in all reality, is probably enough to get him killed. Because anytime you start using the phrase, I am, when you're talking about God, you're talking about, you're either talking about God or you're saying you are God. And in this, in this sentence, Jesus is saying, I am, meaning I am God. And so he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me. And anyone who comes to me, I will never drive away, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on that last day. So think about this for a minute. Imagine that we're here together, and maybe we're having some sort of meal, and then I stand up and basically start telling you that I'm God. And that if you see me, then you've seen God. And if you believe the things that I say and believe in the way that I tell you to live, then you will live forever. I have a feeling you would all get up and leave. And that's what people were hearing Jesus say and do, and that's how they were experiencing it also. Then the Jews began to complain about him. Imagine that. Because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say, I've come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, don't complain among yourselves. 
No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me. And I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall, be, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Well, he's seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. There he goes again. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. May God give us wisdom and courage as we try to interpret Scripture. And may God give us wisdom and courage as we try to apply the truth of it to our lives. Amen. Anybody ever been around a stinky little boy? You know, like dirt under their fingernails. They smell like a goat when they come in from playing outside. They've got one nostril that's just full of junk. When they breathe, it kind of like falls out and goes back in. You all know, and you half of you have been that little boy. That's what these Jews were remembering about Jesus. They were remembering that little boy who smelled like a goat and tied their daughter's hair in a knot and was mischievous and played and got into trouble and was dirty and his mom would clean him and his dad would get on to him. That's what they were remembering. And all of a sudden, he's a man and he's standing there in front of them saying, I am the bread of life. I am the bread that has come from heaven. And that is crazy to them for him to say those things. And it's crazy to me, really, that he said them. They had seen him grow up. They knew his mom and his dad. And now he's talking all this crazy talk, this audacious claims that he is the word of God. He is the flesh of God. He is the bread that gives life. And they're remembering the stories of their ancestors because you know the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 how long? 40 years. And what came from the sky to feed them? Bread. And he's saying, that's who I am. The one who gave you that bread and is that bread is me. And they're saying, how in the world can that snot-nosed little brat be saying those things? It's amazing. And I understand that. I'm with them, if I'm being honest. Because how can a person be the God that I need when I need God? When it feels like the edges are crumbling off and I can't hold on anymore, I don't need some snot-nosed kid that grew up to be a man. I need God. I need the God of Pentecost who rushes into a room with a violent wind and causes flames of fire to appear above people's heads and gets people to speak languages that they didn't even know how to speak. I need that God. 
I need the God who can part an ocean, like a sea, and make it fall open in half like the part in somebody's hair. That's the God I need when it feels like things are falling apart at the edges and I can't grab on any longer. Because honestly, there are days that I'm just holding on by a thread. I don't need some stinky little kid. But that's also the beauty of our faith. We have this audacious belief that God came to earth in the form of a human being. Theologically, the term is called the incarnation. Anybody know how to say meat in Spanish? What is it? Carne. You heard the, the Spanish name Encarnacion? That's the Spanish term for the incarnation. It's an idea that the incarnation, God in flesh, came down and lived amongst us and taught us how to live and showed us what a real life is to be about and then died to show us the love that God has for us and then rose from the dead again to conquer death forever. That is an audacious belief. And that's what Jesus was trying to get people to believe and understand and know is that our God, yes, is big and can part the seas and can come in like a violent rushing wind, but our God is so big and so loving that God comes to earth in the form of a human being and uses the simple, everyday things to change the world. I am standing here looking at plain, simple, everyday things. And you're saying, yeah, you're the plain and simple one, Ross. And some people, I know, I know a lot of people who say, you know, I, I, I don't need to go to church. I go hiking on Sundays and I go up into the mountains and I do all kinds of things. And when I'm out there, it's a miracle. I can connect with God. And I go, well, you know what I do on Sundays? I go sit around a bunch of sinners who are jerks, half of them, and I connect with God in the midst of them. Which one's the biggest miracle? The fact that we come into this room and sit next to each other and acknowledge that we're all sinners and we're all hypocrites and we all struggle and we all do things that we wish we weren't doing and we don't do the things that we wish we were doing, but we connect with God together, that is a miracle and it's audacious in and of itself. But it doesn't stop there. Because the simple, everyday things, that's what this story is about to me, that God uses the simple, everyday things that we see all around us all the time to remind us of God's presence and to remind us of God's love. And God uses us because we're simple, everyday things. That's why we bless backpacks, because those things are simple and everyday. And in some way, we're hoping that those kids and you teachers and students and administrators will know that you are loved and you're a simple everyday thing and that God uses you. It doesn't matter if you're a carpenter or a guitar player or a baker or a cook or if you're an accountant or if you clean or if you're doing dishes, if you're welding. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. God uses you. That's audacious. Because God uses simple, everyday things to change the world. 
yesterday, I don't know if it was an honor or a privilege. I don't, I don't really have the right word, but I officiated my grandmother's funeral. It's one of those things that pastors are either blessed or cursed with getting to do. And so I spent last week remembering some things, and I remembered I have one uh, really specific memory that I, I thought for a while I was just going to hold it and not share it with anybody, just kind of treasure it and keep it to myself. But I remembered it's the simple, everyday things that make a difference. My grandparents had this, like, 80s model Suburban, you know, the ones that were all metal, like the dashboard was metal. If you hit your head on it, it hurt, like one of those old kind of Suburbans. And it was maroon. And I remember driving down a highway somewhere between Midland, Texas, and nowhere. They, my grandfather was a cotton ginner, and they lived in the middle of nowhere half the time in Texas. And we, I was with my Nana, and we were driving down the road, and, and she started talking about her family, and she had like 80,000 siblings. <laughs> and she was talking about her dad, who had been a preacher. And she had a brother who was doing something in ministry, and he had kids doing something in ministry. And she started talking about how big of a deal that was. And she, she didn't like, she wasn't like a preaching kind of grandmother. I, she was a praying kind of grandmother. And she, I just remember her talking about her faith that day. And it made a difference. Because I remember it. And I think that probably the reason that my mom's family grew up going to church is because of her. I think my papa would have gone some. And I think the reason that I grew up going to church is because of her and maybe the pressure she put on my mom. I don't know. But my life is what it is. Because simple, everyday people that God used to shape who I am. And I think you can say the same thing about your life.